In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative, the only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with a fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hobb. We're doing a deep dive on sex and an integrative approach to sexuality. Uh, it's a big part of overall lifestyle uh, that relates to health, health, uh, Negative health factors uh, influence sexuality, and sexuality uh, in a balanced way uh, can uh, give a real boost to uh, people's optimal uh, health, uh, mental and physical well-being. Uh, so, um, Dr. Castellanos, Madeline, uh, we were talking earlier about the high prevalence of depression among women and the use of antidepressant medications. And, uh, you know, a lot of women that uh, I see in my practice uh, they're desirous of getting off their antidepressants because they say, well, while they, the antidepressants somewhat help their mood, they completely deaden uh, their sex drive and uh, interfere with their sexual response. So uh, what's the story? Well, that's very true. And I, the ones especially that are the serotonin reuptake inhibitors are one of the most difficult ones that you know, impact libido greatly. They can also cause people to gain weight, which then works against them. That's not sexy. Yeah. No, no. And certainly not. And even if even if uh, their partner says, you know what, I like those extra 10 pounds, you know, that woman's going to be thinking, oh, my God, I have this extra 10 pounds. I can't. Yeah. It's just, and they're not going to be able to focus on that. What, one of the things that's very interesting is I see a lot of women in perimenopause who now what is happening is their progesterone levels are dropping mm -hmm. and they're estrogen dominant. Right. And they're finding that in that state, they are much more irritable, they are much more moody, they can't calm down. And when they go to see their primary care doctor, that's what they, they get this little combination, the, the dynamic duo of the mm -hmm. SSRI and the benzodiazepine. And what they need is some micronized progesterone. I know, I know, exactly. Oh, yeah. And, and that would help balance them out. And then once they get into menopause, then, you know, add some estrogen. That because the micronized progesterone, you know, the first metabolite is this nice GABA analog, which helps calm us down and feel nice and chill. And if you're missing that, you're not having that balance every month, then that, that's what you're missing. You're not missing mm -hmm. you know, more serotonin or and more benzoin. What I often ask is, you know, especially if women have had children, I ask them, do you recall how you felt during pregnancy? That's mm -hmm. often a key to their response to progesterone because that's a high progesterone state. And if women say, sometimes they'll say, oh, my goodness, if, I, if I'd known how good I was going to feel during pregnancy, I would have had, you know, four or five kids. <laughs> right. uh, then I really know that at the time of menopause, they're really good candidates for 
uh, progesterone. Some women say, you know, I just felt awful the whole time during uh, pregnancy. And, you know, maybe they're, they're less likely to respond to progesterone. It, it is very individual. Right. That's a, that's a great uh, thing to ask them. And are you looking primarily for how they felt in the third trimester? Which is the overall? real high progesterone state. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's where they kind of settle in with the progesterone. So the, the trouble with psychiatric medications is we know what they do, right? We know selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors block the, the glial cells from sucking that serotonin back up into their, their cell, repackaging it and, and sending it back into the neuron so it can use it again. We know that what they do, but we don't know why that actually changes someone's mood. So to say, oh, yes, of course we know how they work. No, we don't know how they work because we don't know why that action results in less anxiety or less panic attacks or better, you know, better mood and less depression. But we know that when you start messing with serotonin, you're going to mess with libido. So if serotonin gets too high and the activity is not balanced, then you might not care if you have sex or not. You might have difficulty getting aroused. So serotonin, when it, it in the resolution phase, you know, once you've had an orgasm, you you have a little bit more serotonin activity. You have more oxytocin. You have more prolactin, and that sort of calms down the dopamine effect. And then you don't really feel like having sex until that's passed. But if you're in that state all the time, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. then you're probably not going to have difficulty getting sexual arousal. Now, some medications that work on dopamine and or norepinephrine. Like Are we thinking Wellbutrin, for example? Because yeah. that's actually a, a workaround for some women yeah. who experience problems on the SSRIs. Right. Wellbutrin could have either less effect or help counteract that effect. And then Effexor, which works on norepinephrine, can also uh, work for some women. Again, it's variable because it depends on the sensitivity of your receptors for each Mm -hmm. particular neurotransmitter, which we don't have a good way of knowing right now. Mm -hmm. And, and how do you metabolize those neurotransmitters? And are you vitamin deficient? So can you make those neurotransmitters? Do you have the right precursors? Do you have the right cofactors? There's a lot of variables that go into it. But it's undeniable that when people get uh, psychiatric medication, most of them are going to have some decrease, Mm -hmm. either sexual arousal, or sexual desire, or ability to orgasm. Well, it really argues for uh, a non-pharmacological way of treating depression, and I think that's something that you attempt to do in many of your uh, patients and clients, uh, a workaround because the medications are causing problems. So might you work with uh, supplements or diet or various lifestyle factors to alleviate depression instead of using drugs? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know, at as a psychiatrist who did their residency at NYU, I was taught very heavily in the medication you know, treatment of depression and anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. But now that I've gotten into functional medicine and studied orthomolecular psychiatry and medicine, I realize, okay, well, we can change the balance of neurotransmitters if the patient has the right cofactors. So that would be, you know, vitamin B6, magnesium, zinc, those kind of things. If they have the right precursors, so the appropriate proteins, you know, tyrosine, tryptophan, fetal So you use amino acids sometimes to boost production sometimes. of the necessary um, neurotransmitters. Sometimes. And then there's ways to see, okay, well, what, 
depression was taught to me as a condition and you get this condition and then it never goes mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. But the way I understand it now is depression is like a, it's a non-specific symptom of a lot of different and it can be caused by a lot of different things. So some people are very sensitive to sunlight. And so when mm-hmm. they don't get enough sunlight, they might have problems with vitamin D or they might just have problems with receptors in their brain that then turn on certain things and that can result in depression. If you have trauma happen to you, that can result in depression. If you become diabetic and your blood sugar is off, that could result in depression. If you are a vegan and you you know don't get the appropriate amounts of B12 for some people, or that iron, can for example, depression yeah. or iron, etc. And, and the list goes on and on. I mean, I, I don't think it's necessary for us to make that whole huge complete mm-hmm. list now. But if we find what's the driving force, right? What's the root cause, and we solve that then we don't need to have these medications. And the person is better balanced for all of their health. So they're in a better place to prevent risk of any type of disease because their metabolism is being set the way it needs to be. So instead of side effects, they may have side benefits. Benefits, right. Better cardiovascular functioning, less dementia, better muscle health. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're striving for. What about the relationship between uh, hypothyroidism and sexual dysfunction? Uh, hypothyroidism is so prevalent, especially in women. Does that play a role in uh, the situation for some of your women who report uh, low libido? Absolutely. And again, it could be for many different reasons. So when you have low thyroid functioning, if it's not properly treated, you're going to have less energy. You may gain weight. Your thinking will be slowed. It's more difficult to become aroused. So physically, you're at a disadvantage already when your thyroid's not working the way that it it could be optimally. The other thing, too, is that there are thyroid receptors on the ovary, and there's a lot of crosstalk between estrogen and thyroid. And so if your thyroid is low, your ovary is going to have more difficulty making the appropriate levels of testosterone and estrogen. So everything in the body works in concert together. It's not just single players. And it's important for us to think about that balance and that concert. Otherwise, What about, we're, what about uh, you know, things like uh, DHEA? Uh, is that a, a tool in your armamentarium for women who have low desire? Absolutely. It's so interesting because since I've been using DHEA, and, and you probably have seen this too, is because it's a it's a upstream uh, precursor, so DHEA gets converted into other steroids like testosterone and then eventually estrogen. But everybody has a different efficiency of the enzymes that that work in that conversion. So I will give DHEA to some women and their estrogen levels will go up. I'll give DHEA to other women and their testosterone levels will go up. I'll give some DHEA to women and they'll, their DHT levels go up and they start growing hair and, you know, on their chin and pimples on their back and like, I can't take it. Mm-hmm. And even it's with very, very variable, sp- yeah. it's very variable. And again, we don't know enough about all of the different players to know exactly how a person is going to respond. But for some people, it's, it's wonderful. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this important message with you. Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky, over-the-counter, or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hopp with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, liquid turmeric liposome complex. 
Future Farms liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our guest, Dr. Madeline Castellanos. What about uh, natural compounds? You know, I, I think we can get away from the notion that they're magical uh, aphrodisiacs like a Spanish fly or things like that. Those are in disrepute. Uh, but are there certain uh, herbs, uh, adaptogens uh, that may uh, help women um, and gently modify their their metabolism or their hormones uh, to uh, or or work on neurotransmitters that that improve sexual response. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's uh, there's many herbs that have uh, estrogen activity and are sold in supplement form to try to help alleviate things like hot flashes. They have very mild estrogen activity, and again, because everybody has a different receptor profile. What one woman says works great for her. Another woman says, I didn't feel anything with that. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, this is, I mean, <laughs> welcome to my world because, <laughs> right, this is what we experience when we work with especially uh, women patients uh, in regard to mood and issues related to sexuality is that different strokes for different folks, big time. There's, it has to be very individualized. Right. And we do know that maca tends to help yep. sexual arousal, and it doesn't seem to have any effects on changing hormones because right. some of the it's, it's safe. Know, it's say you have a cancer history or something like that. Right. There, there. You know, like uh, men will use yohimbin, and that's can cause anxiety and panic. And so, w whatever works for men usually also does work for women. It's just that because. The, the, as I mentioned, the physiology is different. It may not always work the way that we think it's going to work. The reason why Viagra works in men is because when they have an erection, they psychologically feel more prepared and desirous of sex. When women's erectile tissue is, uh, is engorged, they don't necessarily, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, so is part of your work to, to make w women more tuned into internal sexual cues because maybe they're just not in touch with their bodies as much and part of the therapy involves uh, making them more aware uh, and um, present to oh you know, absolutely yeah because along with so so along with like the maca along with the Korean red ginseng along with the red clover you know along with those things what I think is very important obviously is making sure that nutritionally she's doing well, that we've decreased inflammation. I have people do psychological exercises to improve their their connection to their sexual desire. So for example, if you live a very stressed life, if you have a bunch of young kids that you have to do all this stuff for, if you are 
you know, stress that you don't have any personal time for yourself to spend with your friends and re, re, like, recoup your energy, then sex gets put on the back burner. You don't think about it. And if you start to have some experiences where maybe you're uncomfortable or you're tired, but your partner wants it anyway, now you start to get that negative conditioning we spoke about before. And so you really turn yourself off. So if your brain can now learn to turn itself back on by focusing on experiences that were very exciting. So I have people actually first learn how to meditate and incorporate meditation to part of their daily practice, even if it's for five minutes in the middle of the day. And then what I teach them to do is to focus on positive sexual thoughts in such a way, so allow themselves time when they're not going to be disturbed, when no one's going to barge in and see the look on their face or, you know, hear them if they start breathing heavily and to actually think about a peak sexual experience of a particularly favorite sexual fantasy, a memory or something they'd like to have happen and really allow themselves to incorporate as many senses as they can. Mm-hmm. It's a experience. form of mindfulness, really. It is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Is it being, being present, you know, uh, not being distracted by uh, external circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, being in the moment, you know, which uh, so, f- you know, whether it's about sexuality or not, so few of us do, you know, we always are multitasking uh, and we have a lot of peripheral vision, but we're, we're not able to look w- inward and gauge our internal states. Right. And then when they do that, they are exercising that part of their brain that facilitates that arousal. They're, they're getting back in tune with that. They're creating more blood flow to those to that neural tract and so because the body and the brain are on a use it or lose it model the more they do that the easier it is for them to get back to that state of arousal and so women will do this for a couple weeks they'll come back you know like talk i i i don't know what's going on but i'm thinking about sex more often now (laughs) i'm like oh it's a miracle (laughs) it's like magic Mm -hmm. we sort of we sort of uh, eliminated some of the uh, neurological roadblocks in terms right. of brain pathways that normally uh, function. I mean, it's, it's part of our biological endowment that we're given these uh, impulses, but we do a lot to uh, suppress them and interfere with them. Um, right. So I wanted to ask you also about cannabinoids because they're kind of the new kids on the block in terms of the endocannabinoid system. What's the relationship between the endocannabinoid system and sexuality? Oh yeah, everybody's talking about cannabinoids now. Right? That's <laughs> that's the uh, the hot new thing. Well, so there are uh, obviously natural endocannabinoid in in the body. They um, they function to help our neurological sy- system as well as our immune system. And they uh, there's CBD one receptors, CBD two receptors. We don't really know exactly what how CBD two affects sexual responsiveness. But um, CBD, um, CB1, sorry, can uh, help with vasodilation and increase sexual motivation. Uh, but uh, CBD can have uh, a paradoxical effect if you have too much. So just like everything mm-hmm. else in the body, there is a certain range in which it's beneficial. If there's too little, that's not good. If it's too much, that's also not good. So I think with cannabis, cannabis products, CBD products, which are now all the rage. I mean, I've seen everything from like CBD shampoo to CBD tea. I'm like, right. really? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I think people are thinking more is better. And, um, you know, naturally we have these uh, endocannabinoids that help uh, 
promote sexual arousal and they correlate with levels of estrogen. They peak at you know ovulation when estrogen's high. But if you are overloading your system, you can actually have down regulation of receptors. Mm. And I, I don't that I don't know of anyone studying that in sexuality in particular. There mm. have been studies to talk about cannabis and whether uh, people feel more relaxed and have more sexual activity. And I think it's like alcohol. I think if you start off anxious and you use CBD or alcohol, for example, to quiet down or inhibit that part of your brain, which is just thinking, 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 then using that could actually improve your sexual desire because now the anxiety part's been quieted down. However, that points to a problem in anxiety, not a deficit of endocannabinoids per se. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very mixed about that. I mean, I do use CBD with, with some of my patients. I like the anxiolytic properties. I definitely like it for patients with traumatic brain injury mm -hmm. and to help decrease the inflammation. But whenever people start talking about that and can it help my sexual arousal, I start to really look for what is impeding your sexual arousal to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a very anxious person, we're not really dealing with the root cause. And it just it's kind of like adding an SSRI. It's like we're we're mm -hmm. overloading the system. We're we're very oriented towards a quick fix, whether it's you yeah. know, in a pill form, whether it's uh, you know from the health food store, uh, or the nutraceutical counter, or from the pharmacy. Right. Exactly. exactly. What about uh, you know a couple other things? Uh, pregnenolone. Pregnenolone is is uh, also in that uh, hormone pathway. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you ever find it of value? Yes. So I like to check pregnenolone levels in my patients, particularly older patients. And again, just like DHEA, we don't have a lot of control which direction it's mm -hmm. going to end up going to. It's sort of it's a mother hormone. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it, it's upstream and it makes a lot of things downstream. And you don't right. necessarily know where it's going to go. Right. So, for example, we might be wanting to increase someone's testosterone and we know that their pregnenolone levels are low and we give them pregnenolone and instead they make a ton of cortisol. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Right, right. So what's happening there? And now we have to look at their thought process, their stress levels, because they're turning on certain, you know, enzymes that are going to create more cortisol and they're going to have that cortisol steal and not make as much testosterone. But absolutely, if someone is low in pregnenolone, then we know already they're, they're not even able to make those downstream steroids. So yeah, that can be very, very helpful. Another one that's uh, getting some buzz these days is oxytocin you know obviously uh, if you have sex you make a lot of oxytocin it's a you know it's the the love hormone or the right. hug hormone right uh, just touch uh hugging can increase your oxytocin uh but certainly orgasm can increase your oxytocin but do you ever it's available as a compounded medication do you ever administer it to patients I prescribe it for patients. They administer, administer yeah. it to themselves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but but uh, I have used oxytocin. It's very interesting that you asked me about oxytocin because I have several patients on oxytocin as a nasal spray. Nasal spray, right. Yeah. And oxytocin, as you said, we start to get a more release of oxytocin when we have touch. So if you think about foreplay and courtship and those things, those activities, especially foreplay and you know touching, kissing, caressing, those things increase oxytocin which for a woman 
is very important for sexual desire and arousal, and for a man is very important for arousal as well. So the amount of oxytocin that he gets directly affects his erection, erectile functioning. So we, what we, we want the oxytocin before the orgasm so that it boosts our desire and our arousal physiologically. So it is prescribed for many people as a nasal spray. They spray it about 30 minutes before they want to have sex. And then the, the goal is to improve their engorgement of their erectile tissue and then therefore and, and desire so that they can have better sex. But yes, with, with a lot of stimulation and orgasm, you get a big boost of oxytocin, which then helps you feel closer, more bonded with it's the a, person. Yeah, it's a very bonding thing. I mean, actually, one of the uh, you know, relationship benefits of uh, you know having a, a sexual partner is, I mean, it actually increases a chemical that enhances the biological basis for bonding, not just the psychological basis for bonding. Right. So interestingly, I've, I've also used oxytocin for some patients who have had pituitary infarctions, because mm -hmm. they can't They're just not making it, it yeah. Right? Uh, also for people who seem to have a lot of uh, 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 cachexia for their muscles. So um, oxytocin helps keep muscle tissue younger. Hmm. It's one of the reasons why I think sex is so good for us, <laughs> because we get a big boost of oxytocin. But so is cuddling and hugging and all that. It helps keep our muscles young. Yeah, we, t we tend to make, you know, sex, you know, very goal-oriented, you know, having yeah. the big O, you know, chalking them up, uh, you know, as many as you can, uh, yeah. you know, how many times a week, you know, is, I'm, well, you know, I just did it twice a yeah. week. I, I got to look at my schedule up, at to, up my game, you know, right. that kind of thing. It's really not a matter of keeping score. It's just a matter – it's a matter of, of closeness and, you know, whatever your form of sexual expression, um, getting close, getting together, hugging, uh, physical contact uh, can express many of the uh, benefits. So that, that actually holds promise for, you know, people well into their, you know, 80s and 90s uh, that they can have a, a sexual experience uh, that's um, both meaningful and physically beneficial. Whether or Absolutely. not it's not, you know, necessarily the conventional, um, uh, you know, goal-oriented performance, and that's one of the things I stress with my patients is I, I ask them what falls in your definition of sex, because if kissing is not on your list, and stroking is not on your list, and caressing is not on your list, and thinking about it is not on your list, and you know, then you have a very, very narrow mm. list, right, so of what you will accept. As well, it's like it's like modern Major League Baseball. It's like everybody's going for the home runs, so they either strike out or they hit a home run. There's no more, uh, there's no more uh, base, you know, base hits and and stealing on the bases. You know, well, that's my analogy anyway. I'm no, no, no. Fan. You know what? You you just I just you just reminded me of someone I know who actually watches sports. They on you know they they record these with a the DVR and they fast forward to the actual hit. They don't actually watch the game. And they say, well, that's the only important part. <laughs> and right. that's kind of what we're doing with sex as well. Yeah, it's sort of reductionist, shall we say. Absolutely. Okay. And, well, and dehumanizing. Yeah. And, indeed. Well, look, I really appreciate your, your sophisticated and nuanced approach to um, uh, human sexuality. You know, you certainly uh, have incorporated some very innovative uh, techniques in your armamentarium. And, uh, you know, once again, let's give our listeners uh, the heads up. Uh, you're... Uh, in practice in New York and in Florida. Do you, uh, I guess because you're an MD, you don't do remote consultations. You really have to see people in, in person. 
So I do have some patients that I do phone consultations for. If I'm actually going to be doing medicine, so it's like, you know, doing laboratory tests, mm-hmm. interpreting those, prescribing, then I do have to see them in person. Yeah, we're more constrained than health coaches, for example, you know, just talk to you long distance. Well, not only that, there's so much that that is gathered information-wise from a physical exam and from seeing the person. And I don't do a genital exam, but certainly looking at skin, nails, you know, just just a functional medicine physical exam that I think is crucial to know what's going on hormone-wise with the person. So once I see the person you know, in person, then I can do remote consults. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And the website is, you, you gave out a couple so I before. Have, absolutely. Thank you. I have thesexmd.com, and then I also have thebodymindmd.com. Registered trademark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. Thank you. Great. So thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate uh, your discussion about an issue that, you know, there's some taboos around this uh, often uh, doesn't get a proper airing. But for people who want to really do a deep dive on the subject, uh, let's recommend our book, uh, a book for which we wrote chapters. It's called Integrative Sexual Health. It's part of the Wild Integrative Medicine Library. Um, my chapter is on uh, diet and human sexuality. And um you can learn a great deal uh, about all aspects of uh, integrative sexual health from this book. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Madeline. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Ron. It, it was my pleasure and all mine. Okay. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.